this is this portion of it is Bruce Hornsby, and it's actually on my like when I'm running. It's one of the it's my like '80s easy mix playlist. I'll break from time to time. Now that's not what this version is. Demoris Smith, executive director of the NFLPA, is today's celebrity DJ. On yeah, celebrity yeah. Friday, he's behind all the music that you've heard today. I love it. This is Tupac. But I wanted to throw that Hornsby take out there as well. We are J Mart and Ramon. Voltron completed by Jonathan Schaefer. We're on Twitter at J Mart and Ramon. We bring in Max Starks. And now I back away from the microphone, Ramon, as you know Max so well. Maximus, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate the Tupac changes intro, though. I don't even know what to say. I mean, you know, some things never change, right, Mo? (laughs) At all. Like the type of friends that I'm around, Max. And, hey, by the way, the playlist, the song that you heard, every Friday we have a celebrity playlist, which at some point I'm going to request that you submit your songs to. But the the celebrity of the week is Demari Smith. Okay, Mr. Executive Director himself. Yes, that is a song that he picked, okay. man. You you being a guy that know him, that's quite impressive from D. Smith, man, I must say. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, you know, when you're thinking of uh, the executive director of a labor union like the NFLPA, that is, that's the music I want to hear. He's trying to go for changes. <laughs> that's, Max, I got to drop this before we go a little bit further, too. So before we get on the show, my co-host Jason don't Martin. Do, don't okay. do this, man. My co-host Jason Martin, Jay Boogie is what we call him also, said, man, you know what? I'm going to be honest with y'all. Uh, I thought Max Starks was a white guy. Just- <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I mean, the that, name it, the name that's why. denote non, non-urban background. <laughs> I mean, when you say my whole name out loud, my whole government issue name looks like I, I should have went to an Ivy League school. And I should be, you know, some type of upper uh, up, upper level VP of some some regional company. I'm just going to put you it know, out there. I, I'll, yeah, I'll just say this. Paper, it's not good. You, you are a savvy guy. I'm glad to have known you during my time in playing in Pittsburgh with you, man. Taught me a lot, but we'll get we'll get to all of that at some point, man. But your reasoning for coming on the show is one: we're we're really good friends. You're also a guy that that has a whole lot of knowledge about a game this weekend. The SEC championship. Yeah. Your team, the Florida yeah. Gators, are going up against the powerhouse at this point, Alabama. Um, how do you view this game as for people right now? There's a lot of teams not in in the SEC, so we're just going to cheer them on. How do you see this game shaking out? So, you you know I'm a big movie buff, right? Right, Moan? That's right up Jason's alley, man. Yeah, yeah. So, here, I'm going to give you a movie scene, and you just tell me how it ends. Remember... The movie Jurassic Park. Remember when they put that goat on the chain in the middle of the field? Because <laughs> so, they were trying to stoke the T-Rex to come out? Yeah. Yeah, my gators are the goat right now. <laughs> oh. And, 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 the, and the Jurassic Park vehicles is the college football playoff committee. And the T-Rex is definitely Alabama. So that is how I view it right now after watching that LSU game. After they got mauled by kitty cats, so I I'm not feeling too strong. I think this is going to be a game where Florida, because we can't run the ball effectively, um, it puts us in a situation where we become too one dimensional. And I think once 
once Kyle Trask got Kyle Pitts back, he got very dependent upon that security blanket because Kyle Pitts is the ultimate security blanket. He makes any quarterback feel good about themselves. <laughs> and when he wasn't out there, it was a noticeable difference. Do I think they can score? Yes. But Alabama's going to really force them into a situation where they're going to have to run and throw the tight game, and you won't get those deep plays, I think, as well. Because the one thing that Alabama's been good about, especially the last half of this season, has been really trying to limit those big play potentials by putting pressure on the quarterback and forcing him to get the ball out quick. And LSU did a really good job of that as well because that we they knew, hey, they're not going to run. They're not going to run, so we can blitz. You know, and pass blitz, not just run blitz, whereas like we're feeling it out 50 50, they're yeah. going to have a full commitment to go into a pass blitz mode, and we don't really have an answer for it. The offensive line has not played up to snuff the last couple of weeks. They've been, they, now, they've been a very good group all year, but the last couple of weeks you've seen the cracks in the armor. And so that's what my fear is, is that Alabama's in full playoff mode, and they're not going to relent. They're not going to offer any quarter, uh, to the opposing side. Max, first off, the Jurassic Park, yeah, yeah, that that's that's phenomenal. Like uh, you, you should be on daily with with lines like that. But when you think about Trask and Pitts and becoming reliant upon him, it's a quarterback sport. Quarterbacks are the ones that get all of the headlines written about them. But you're talking about two teams in Florida and Alabama where Pitts and Devontae Smith are probably the best two players on the field, and they're probably the best two guys in terms of what their future might look like in the NFL. I love Najee Harris, but I've also seen a lot of Alabama running backs come in and be pretty pedestrian in the NFL as well. How good do you think both Pitts and Devontae Smith project to be on the next level? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, when you look at Devontae Smith, it doesn't matter – the Alabama quarterback. Devontae mm. Smith just simply produces. And I think that's a testament to how good this kid is. And you said, oh, my gosh. Well, he had Henry Ruggs around him. He had Jalen Waddle. He had all of these different weapons to take the pressure off of him. That's why he excelled. Wrong. As soon as Jalen Waddle got injured this season and his production went up, his alpha male apex predator side went up as well. <laughs> And he became an even more efficient, more lethal threat to opposing defenses and secondaries that lets me know that it's, it's in his DNA. And he's hardwired for competition and to be great. So, Devontae Smith, honestly, I don't have a vote. But if I did, looking at the Heisman, I would totally give him my vote. i give him the first-place wow. vote because he's done something that's just been phenomenal, breaking the SEC records that he has are very tough in in and of itself, but he's done it with three different quarterbacks as well. So he's proven that he's not just a system guy or one type of quarterback is going to make him is going to make him a better player. He makes those quarterbacks better players by him being on the field. And then with Kyle Pitts, Kyle is a matchup nightmare. When we're talking about the evolution of the hybrid tight end, he's not the Heath Miller that, that Ramon and I are so used to from yeah. our from our time in Pittsburgh. And he's not Tony Gonzalez. You know, he comes off as the Travis Kelsey of the world, more so than the George Kittle, because he can line up in the slot, he can line up ISO, he can be in line, and he can burn you either the middle of the field or he can take you deep water and drown you. And I think that's what 
is tough because he's too sm- he's too big for a DB, and he's too fast for a linebacker. Wow. And you have to bracket him. And who wants to bracket a guy in the middle of the field? It's nightmare because he always has a two way go. Yeah, speaking of nightmares, Max, uh, we got Max Starks with us, former Pittsburgh still a two-time Super Bowl champion, also covers college uh, football also. Um, and, uh, and all of those things you've seen a lot. Um, and I'll say this, too. In the SEC, Nick, Nick Saban has seen a lot, meaning a lot of coaches. Um, Auburn is going through a coaching change right now. South Carolina just hired their coach. Any team that's not beaten Nick Saban has probably had a coaching change in the last decade or more. Um, from your perspective, a guy who played at Florida, also a Florida Gator, um, that's seen coaches change, coach changes also. What does it take for other teams and schools to get a hold of winning or beating Nick Saban in the SEC? Well, first of all, you, you got rid of the one coach that was semi good at it and Gus Malzahn, mm-hmm. if you're Auburn, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, three out of six years. He's, yeah, I mean, between him and Hugh Freeze, that's really the only guys who seem to get the better of Nick Saban. And for them to for them to kind of be off of Gus, and I get it, Gus is always on the hot seat. It seems like every year until he has one signature victory. But you have to realize who you're recruiting against, and not to say that Auburn is is a lower class team, but they're a second tier team when it comes to national recruiting, and so. That's the biggest thing is you realize when you look at Ohio State, when you look at Clemson, when you look at Alabama, they always get the highest concentration of whichever top 300 list you want to look at huh. for, uh, for high school and college projections. So that's the first thing you have to do is you have to find somebody who can compete with those, A, brands and schools, but also brands and coaches if you want to hope to beat a Nick Saban because you have, like you said, Dabo's done it outside of the SEC, mm-hmm. and uh, Ohio State did it. it. wasn't It wasn't Ryan Day. It was Urban Meyer, but Ohio State's done it, and that's why they compete with the Alabama brand. And so, if you're going to go, if they're Auburn, and I'm trying to figure out how do I get my advantage because you didn't have Gus, you have to go find that brand or that name that's going to attract those kids. Um, to your campus to have a shot at beating Nick Saban because he's always going to get the best of the best, and they seem to always reload. It's because they get the top kids year in and year out, and they can go anywhere across this country and sit in anybody's living room because of that name and that and that, and that uh, ID for their school. And so I think that's the first thing. And if I'm Auburn, I should have already had this replacement in mind before I fired yeah. him because when I look at the landscape right now, I don't see that. I mean, you look at Shane Beamer going to South Carolina. He has a connection. Clark Lee going to Vanderbilt. There's a connection, and he comes from Notre Dame. So he brings that cachet. He's recruited that type of player because that's what Notre Dame dictates, like Vanderbilt, a higher academic standard and rigor. So that kid has to qualify there before he can play on the football field. Clark Lee is the best fit for that, and he has that connection to Nashville. Auburn, on the other hand, it's going to be tough to find somebody. And like you said, the fact that Kevin Steele is your number one option right now <laughs> doesn't say much that you pay $21 million for Gus to go sit at home. Uh, and Ooh. Kevin Steele is going to retract that when he has a, what, a four-win, I think, Baylor record in his time in the Big 12. That's not going to cut it in the SEC. Auburn fans are going to be even more pissed than they were when Gus was there. 
Yeah, wow. it does seem really strange. It's like if you're going to do that, you better have the next guy in mind. You better have a plan. And they absolutely didn't seem like they had a plan because they're being spurned by everybody. That all the, all the key guys are coming back out. Mario Cristobal's like, Nah, I'm, I'm good at Oregon. I'm not, I'm not going to go to Auburn. And why would you want to yeah. go in there? I mean, Malzahn was what 63 and 35, and they couldn't wait to get him out of town. It's like year after year. His seat seemed to be hot, and it didn't make sense because there's a lot of schools that would crawl over broken glass for the level of success that Gus Malzahn had at Auburn. You're absolutely right, and let's face it. Mario said, I'll take that Phil Knight money, and I don't have to go through Nick Saban to get to the college football playoffs. I'll I'll keep my road here because I just signed a top three recruiting class at Oregon with our 99-plus matchup combinations and the fact that we have Nike sitting right there to do your bidding, I wouldn't move either. Have you seen those facilities? They got a waterfall in their locker room. A waterfall. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way I'm leaving. And, and they're happy with the success, and they're going to be successful because they're almost like when Clemson was coming up and Dabo had his first couple years of success, that's where Oregon is, where they're going to be dominant in the Pac-12 for a long time to come. Because there's no real rival. Your rivals are Washington and Colorado. And, yes, you do have an improved (laughs) USC, but you don't have the heyday USC. So I like my chances there than going into the division of the coach that has owned it, that has like a Death Star pointed at the planet, which is the SEC West. And you have to get over that hurdle just to have a shot in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and, and Max, just on the other side of sports, man, we, we're almost at a point where we got to wrap it up, but you've been so awesome to us. Max Stark is with us, former Pittsburgh, still a two-time Super Bowl uh, winner, uh, played at the University of Florida, which I just can't believe I said that. But aside from that, though, Max. <laughs> you you uh, know what greatness is. You know what greatness is. <laughs> I like you, Max. It's I don't like anywhere. your school. It's certainly not in Knoxville right now. <laughs> hey, hey, you, you put him in a corner, guys. Stop this, okay? But I'll just say this. Max, the AFC race, man, has gotten tight. The NFC is a little bit unpredictable, but it's going to be probably a, a, a double-digit winning team that won't make the playoffs this year. Who do you see uh, going up? I feel like uh, well, Kansas City has the number one seed, but Kansas City still has this question. Pittsburgh is in a limbo right now. Then you got a team here in Nashville with the Titans who at any point can beat anybody, man. Just how are you seeing this thing shape up? The Browns of all teams are, are even in the conversation. I know that 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 Monday night game with the Browns and Ravens was an instant classic. Uh, just the the back and forth. I mean, when I look at this, you know, I I think that a there's there's going to be three AFC North teams that make it in the playoffs. Rightfully so. It's one still one of the toughest divisions in all of football um, outside of the NFC West. Um, when I look at this on the AFC side, I think like you said, I mean. Kansas City is the outright number one. They got a tough test against New Orleans this weekend. Um, but Pittsburgh is, is, is that one team that they just, they lost, they lost the run game and they got too dependent on the quick pass game to pseudo, uh, cover up for that run, but then got mm-hmm. exposed when everybody started playing press man. Um, mm. I think that a, de- a very dangerous team is, is Cleveland because Cleveland can score at will. The problem is, can their defense hold off of people who can score? Baltimore's finding their rhythm, but Baltimore does this up and down every year, and they haven't shown me any sustainability in January, so I don't fear them as much. Um, Kansas City's still my number one. I think they deserve that one seed, even though it's not the Kansas City of last year. But 
it's just it's too talented to fail, it seems, in a lot of respects, unless they fall asleep like they did against Las Vegas. And so for me, when I look at this, the NFC is the one that's the scariest, I think, because there's so much more parity. Teams are so much more evenly matched. The defense on the NFC side is way tougher than the defenses on the AFC side. Think of what Washington is and what they did to Pittsburgh. Think of what the New Orleans Saints were until last week. The L.A. Rams, as long as Aaron Donald is healthy, you might as well put him as a number three defense in all of the NFL by himself. So the NFC is very intriguing. I think it's going to be a great playoff run this year because we have that seventh team. So there's a team that's going to be deserving that gets in that normally be on the outside looking in. And it's making it competitive for that seven, eight, nine slot about who's going to finish in seventh. So I really like the way that our, the teams have been kind of conformed this year. And the AFC, I mean, it has favorites, but the NFC has all the defense. And that's what's scary to me when it comes against those AFC teams. Because I think those defenses match up well to the top tier of the AFC. Max, this has been really good, man. Uh, we're out of time, but we, we want to have you back uh, real soon, maybe as we get uh, into the actual playoffs. But but really good stuff and continue to give Moan as much hell as humanly possible no. uh, from a distance. Guess, uh, Max, I see what so you're you doing know, over there, Moan. It's, no, it's fitting. Marquise just FaceTimed me while on air with you. Literally. Just told me this. <laughs> I hate those guys. I need better friends, Max, and you're one of the ones I need to be better also, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, Bo, I'm not going to post to Twitter that picture when, when, when you lost the bet and you were on the airplane unhappy about your beautiful Florida Gator polo. I'm not going to post that because I don't want any ire from the orange and white because I love you, Moan. You know what I'm saying? You like, you're like a little brother, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be better than that. But don't Please expect don't. me not to say anything about Tennessee anytime soon. Schaefer, don't let him off the phone. <laughs> don't let him off the phone. We need it. We need that photo. Uh, no. Hashtag Petty Forever. Oh, no. Petty I, I'm, I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting Max right now. <laughs> I, I'm we, tweeting Max right now so that he'll post it on Twitter, and then Max, all hell's gonna break loose. That We're is family, Max. Like, don't let them divide us. Oh. Listen, I love you, Moan. I love you. Listen, it's not gonna happen. They're not oh, yes, gonna get is. a full picture of that. It's not I don't believe this. Picture. But you and I both know, Moan. You and I both know the truth. Yes. Max, I yes. went through a whole decade of losing to Florida, man. Until Josh Dobbs came through and saved us, man, I paid you money. I paid Marquise money. I paid Marcus money, man. I, even Rainey at this point. Like, I, I was about to say, Chris Rainey, I think, got some dollars about this. <laughs> everybody but Gilbert, because Gilly really didn't care. But other Gilly, than that, everybody yeah. else did. <laughs> Uh, Max, we appreciate it, man. We need to have you back real, real soon. Thanks for making time. Absolutely, man. Hey, my my pleasure, man. Love you, Moan. Hey, you guys take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. That's that's Max Starks. Uh, We're getting that photo. Make it happen. Make it happen. He would hold on to something like that. Ah, Back away from the mic. Toyota keys to the game coming up next, plus a little bit of your poll results and some of those thoughts, some really interesting things about which of these potential playoff opponents for the Titans might concern you the most. All that coming up in the final segment. Jay Martin, Mel, 104.5 The Zone.